Hey, what's up, everybody? It is Sunday, September 11th, 2022, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Now Mind You podcast, this being episode 36, Combat. I'm TJ. I'm TJ. <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. I'm Matt. And of course, before we go any further, there will be some spoilers. So if you haven't, you know, caught on to any of the fights that went down uh, last night as of this recording, do what you got to do. Uh, we got a few things we want to cover. We're definitely covering UFC 279, Diaz versus Ferguson, and we'll get into some of the shenanigans around that in a bit. Uh, boy, but Matt, oh I believe you want to cover some of uh, the celebrity boxing events. Uh, I did not want to cover the celebrity boxing, but I will Never just say mind, yo. last <laughs> night we had uh, the Von Bell knockout Adrian Peterson, which was That's outrageous <laughs> to see, which is like definitely didn't have that on my bingo card this year at all. But <laughs> sure. Uh, last week, we also had uh, Luis Ortiz and Andrew Ruiz Jr. fight. Uh, with the victory going to Andrew Ruiz Jr. Uh, I mentioned it on the last show. Yeah, uh, The fight actually took place on a Sunday. I just assumed, because most fights take place, you know, weekend, Saturday, or what have you. Brian I assumed the fight. Up. Yeah, exactly. I, I assumed the fight was, fight was happening that Saturday, but it actually had taken place uh, Sunday of last week. Mm-hmm. So uh, with that said, I'll just very briefly touch on that. Um, and just for... Anybody that's at home, the fight was September the 4th, because mm-hmm. today being September 11th, this was September the 4th. Um, the fight went 12 rounds. This was a semifinal title eliminator. Um, it was closer than, I think, more than most people were expecting it to be. Um, we had Andrew Weiss actually putting uh, Luis Ortiz down three separate occasions. However, the scorecard was only off by two rounds. Mm. Uh, Luis Ortiz was able to handle himself pretty well, control uh, a little bit of, not really a little bit, control pretty much most of the tempo with his jab. Um, And it took uh, explosiveness, really. Andy Ruiz's explosiveness was the difference maker in his ability to kind of cut the distance when he was able to, to Mm. uh, ultimately get some of those knockdowns in. But the strength of Luis Ortiz's actual boxing, um, just his ability to box, and then also him being the first professional uh, southpaw that Andy Ruiz has had to deal with in his career. I think all of those things really melded uh, together. Excuse me. Um, In an event to, not necessarily an event, but in a way they've melded together to kind of create the perfect storm uh, to really just give Andy Ruiz a hard time. So typically when you see a fight where somebody's been put down like three times or what have you, right. nine times out of 10, that scorecard was a lot wider. But, right. you know, I think it just it's more of a testament, not against Andy Ruiz, but more of a testament to Luis Ortiz um, of how good he is, basically, that he was able to pull that fight together for all 12 rounds, even being dropped uh but yeah, <clears throat> that pretty much covers the boxing. Next week, however, we got a pretty big boxing event. Um, that one is, in fact, happening on Saturday, and it's uh, Triple G versus Canelo. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the third, third one, time. right? Yep. yep, third time. So that'll be next week, and I'll be covering that. Uh, but with that, yeah, that fight's taking place September the 17th. I know that for a fact. I'm looking at it. It's not on a Sunday. 
or anything like that, barring <laughs> any crazy things happening, which we know a lot about from this weekend. Right. But yeah, that's that pretty much covers the boxer. All right. Well, let's segue into UFC 279, Diaz versus Ferguson. Actually, before we segue, um, my bad for not doing this at the top of the episode, but I got to give a shout out to Bryce. Shout out uh, Bryce, man. For coming through last week and covering while I was uh, away doing like family stuff. So thank you, Bryce, uh, for doing your thing, man. Uh, the episode sounded really good. And touching on the manga episode, there was a lot of my hero hate, and I completely understand it. <laughs> um, it's just what it is, man. It's just what it is. But y'all y'all handled that episode really well, uh, both episodes. So big shout out to Bryce, friend of the show. We appreciate you, man. Yeah. Um, that being said, UFC 279, Diaz versus Ferguson, originally, yeah, mm-hmm. let's just get into the shenanigans, yeah. supposed to be Chimaya versus Diaz. Um, but what happened, Matt? In First like of all, 48 let's, hours. <laughs> let's, let's just, let's go over this, right? So on the main card, there are five fights. Mm-hmm. Only two of the five fights on the main card were not catchweight fights. Yeah, yeah, that's a strong ass call out. Two days before the actual fight, Hamzat's team and Kevin Holland's team get into an altercation in the back that eventually caused involves, the press conference to yeah, be canceled. <laughs> eventually involves Nate Diaz and ultimately canceled the entire uh, press conference. And make no mistake, there were water bottles thrown. <laughs> yep, bottles were thrown. Then, so that ultimately, we had that. Then we had Hamzat missed weight by eight and a half pounds. Genetics number two. Then we had uh, Macy Shiasson also was not able to make weight. Genetics number three. Prior to getting on the scale, she was able to get in contact with her opponent, Irene, and also within the UFC. So they all came to an agreement to right. allow a 140 catch weight. That's why it was okay. Got yeah, it, I found it. that out this morning. Found got out this it. morning. Got so they, that's why they threw their fight was at a catch weight. Uh, Lee G. Liang and Daniel Rodriguez, who Lee G. Liang was initially in the co-main. Let, let's just call let's just call Jing Liang the hero of the card. High key. Yeah, the leech. Yeah, man. Because yeah. if he didn't agree to that, I yeah, he was he was the deciding factor. You're Real right. talk. Like I'm not even like joking. Like he he may have low key saved that card. Um, yeah. But for please real. go on. But my bad for interjecting. No, you all good. Lee G. Liang and Daniel Rodriguez ended up in a catch weight because Lee G. Liang was supposed to be fighting Tony Ferguson. Correct. At 75. I mean, at uh, 70. Yep. And Daniel Rodriguez was supposed to be fighting Kevin Holland at 85. Yep. Uh, but because Hamzat missed, and then also because Chia Song, uh, she was going to be able, she was probably going to miss weight. Kevin Holland and Hamzat fought at a catch weight of like 180, basically. Um, Lee Ji Liang and Daniel Rodriguez also fought at a catch weight. Irene and Chia Song, they fought at a 140 catch weight. Yeah. Nate and Tony fought at 170. 170. And, and then Johnny I think Walker Johnny Walker and, and uh, Iwan Kutlaba were like... Uh, 205. 205, yeah. they were So basically the opener and the main event were the only correct... Uh, Weight classes, everything else, mm-hmm. catch weights. We even had a uh, we even had a catch weight fight on the prelim as well. Real talk. Yeah, we had a, a catch weight between Anton Turkaji 
and um, uh, Halton Almeida. They had mm-hmm. a catchweight fight as well. Uh, it was it was just shenanigans, man. <laughs> That's really yeah. all I can say. And on like a, a politically correct level, I don't even know if that's the right way to say it, but that's like a lot of unprofessionalism. Seriously, mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever seen that many missed weight scenarios in a card. Um, it's almost like, because think about it. Normally, if it were just one person, they would have just either scrapped the fight, taken a fight off the prelims, elevated it to the main card. But I guess because there were so many scenarios where weight was missed, they was like, man, we just got to move some pieces around and save this card essentially but again i think uh Liang Liang deserves a shout out i think kevin holland although maybe the altercation uh the altercation the altercation <laughs> at the press conference was also you know motivation slash incentive to like arrange that fight between him and hamzat but like dude that card was was about to be in shambles man like yeah like, it, like that, that would have been it but they were just like all right let's 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 tetris this let's see if we can save this franchise and they did i i I want to say at the top of it, like, the card delivered. There were some exciting fights on that main card, even with it. Um, Yeah, I think ultimately the shuffle created more entertaining fights. That coupled with the canceling of the press conference, people are like, oh, we're going to have to see why this was canceled now, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So it just, it it ended up working, man, uh, really well. But uh, I think, yeah, Matt, you just went over all the fights on the main card, so... Shall we start with the opener, uh, Walker versus Kutalaba? Yeah, man. Do you want me to do it or you got it? Um, I'll do it. it it's a short one. Okay. <laughs> right? So on the one end, we have Johnny Walker, right? And then on the other end, we have Iwan Kutalaba. Uh, this was, of course, light heavyweight, one of two bouts that was in the correct weight class. Man. <laughs> right? We got Johnny Walker, 29 years old, Brazilian, MMA stylist, Made his UFC Octagon debut back in November 17th, 2018. Uh, last three fights, let's see, least recent was he got that dub against Ryan Spann back in September. Mm-hmm. Uh, two years ago, by knockout TKO, took the L against Thiago Santos. I mean, Thiago Santos. Back and it was a decision. And it was a decision. Mm-hmm. Then took that nasty L, which low-key kind of put uh, uh, Jamal Hill on the warpath. Cause ever since he got that that knockout win over uh over uh Johnny Walker, like Jamal Hill's been on a tear. Uh mm-hmm. but that was in uh February of this year, right? Yeah. And on the other hand, we got Iwan the Hulk Kutalaba, 28 years old, fighting out of the Republic of Moldova, Sambo stylist. And you can see it when he fights, man. Like this dude gave uh Khalil Roundtree problems. And let I I mean, we talk about this every so often, but remember, Khalil Roundtree is the dude that did that thing. To Carl Roberson, where we're all like, he's not fighting a person. He's yeah, fighting he's fighting his demons. He's fighting demons, bro. <laughs> like, Cute like, Lava got a knockout over that guy. Uh, just, just put that out there, right? But he made his mm-hmm. UFC Octagon debut back in June of 2016. Last three, got a draw slash no contest against Jacoby back in May of 2021. Uh, got a decision win over Clark back in September of last year and then took that L by submission against Ryan Spann, which we covered uh, back in May of this year, right? Now, mm-hmm. 
round one, what could I say, dude? Johnny Walker is a gigantic man. I think he's six six. You are correct. Uh, this dude towers over everyone in this podcast. <laughs> Let's just put it that over way. Over the right? cage. Over the yeah. It's always weird when you see them in the fight. It's like wait, their heads are poking over the fence. Um, but that's neither here nor there. I was surprised they didn't uh, put Herbasol Deansworth in there mm-hmm. to like <laughs> referee them or whatever. But anyway, yeah, no, he's just. He's just gigantic. But that being said, even with the height difference, Iwan was letting him know right off the bat. I was like, yo, I can head kick you anytime. Um, and Shit. the first strike he threw, damn near. Was a head kick. Head yeah. Kick. But then Walker was like, yo, I'm 6'6. Six, six. Head kicks for you are like, you know, thigh kicks for me. But anyway, he threw a head kick at Cute Laba, who just ate it and used it to like, you know, segue into a takedown. So then immediately within the opening of the round, it goes from standing to, oh, so now Kutalaba's inside of Johnny Walker's closed guard. And it's like Johnny Walker is doing what he can to stop Kutalaba from doing, you know, literally a Hulk smash, ground and pound, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then Kutalaba was being like hell, hella vicious with it too. So it's like, not only is he like, you know, trying to get his posture back so he can start throwing strikes, but he's also doing that mouth covering shit, which is like, listen, uh, I don't know if any of you have done any type of MMA sparring or grappling or anything, but when somebody covers your mouth and you're just trying to breathe, that shit borders on like panic mode. It actually can trigger like your, your like fight or flight instinct, like if they do it long enough or well enough, right? But Hugh Lava was doing that quite a bit to disrupt Walker's breathing. And even before that, I got to uh, mention that Walker like got a few stern warnings from, I think it was uh, Mark Goddard for like some flagrant fence grabbing, but that's neither here nor there, right? And then it's like barely two minutes into the first round, the crowd is already starting to boo. And I'm like, okay, to be fair, that prelim was a little bit wild, so they got a little spoiled with it, but it's like, you know, anytime fights go to the ground and it feels like nothing's happening, the crowd's just going to be like, boo, boo this nigga. Like, right. <laughs> it's, it's just what it is, right? Um, now, an armbar attempt from Kutalaba because at some point, uh, it switched up, right? Uh, Walker was able to get back to his feet off of the fence, then took Kutalaba down. And then Kutalaba's on his back. He goes from the armbar attempt, but it put him in a vulnerable position. And then Johnny Walker, like, you know, it was just a straight-up slam. Like, uh, DC called it, like, how they call it in wrestling, like a mat return, which I think is, like, the mm. nicest way to put what that actually is, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? But Johnny Walker just slammed homie down, takes his back, Starts hunting for a rear naked choke. Cute Laba fights it. And he's actually doing a really, really good job of disrupting Walker's rear naked choke attempts. But soon enough, you know, hey, when it comes to it, like if you're dealing with a fighter who's got strong jujitsu, you're really just delaying the inevitable. And sure enough, Walker gets under the chin and that's that's a wrap on the first round. And then also it has to be a straight nightmare to be six feet. With a six foot six guy on your back and, then and they his hit you legs with a body triangle, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and his arms are long enough up. to hit you in the body from behind, yeah, as well. Um, and then you know that being said, Johnny Walker damn near jeopardizes his health by doing the worm again as a form of a victory celebration. But that's neither here nor there. At least he didn't <laughs> drop to it this time. He stayed right. on the ground. <laughs> I can't believe homie like sidelined himself from celebrating, but. That's neither here nor there. Congratulations, uh, Johnny Walker. Right, got that win via submission, man. Anything you want to add, Matt? Um, I would just say 
that the submission attempt was really cool, especially once he did end up getting it. Yeah. Um, it just was one of those things where he sort of just outsmarted Eon because, you know, you have to you have to deal with the fact that you can't see basically behind you. And right. it's he was really field. just kind of trying to defend and be offensive. And to 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 that point, too, let's let's remember when he finally did sense the rear naked choke, Ewan almost undid it. Uh, yeah, he was he fighting. He got that top hand. Yeah, but it was just in deep. And like you said, long-ass arms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that arm was all the way up under there. So mm-hmm. it was nothing he could do with that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for real, for real. That's how that's how deep that choke was. Right. Um, you got anything else? No, sir. Take it away. All right. Well, our next fight was between Irene Aldana and Macy Chiasson. I think she pronounces it Chasson. Chasson. All right. Yeah. We're going to go Chasson. Macy Chasson. And this was a catchweight bout at 140. Yeah. So that was also, as I mentioned earlier, it was because Macy wasn't going to be able to make that 135 limit. Right. Now, on one end, we have uh, Irene Aldana coming from Guadalajara, Mexico. Listen. Um, so, look, I, I could say this. Y'all can say I'm joking, whatever. You know the hands are official. No, this is not. I don't even think you're you're joking. It's just like, yeah. like we, what, what was it? The, the fight night last week or the week before, we also had like a Mexican woman fighter. Uh, same thing. Hands. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just hands. Yeah. Um, also, from my understanding, as they brought it up on the uh, on the broadcast as well, she uh, trains her boxing with Alexa Grasso's father, who was Alexa Grasso's boxing coach as well. I think mm-hmm. all of those people down at that Lobo gym all train with Alexa Grasso's dad. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Um, Irene Aldana, 34 years old. Mexican standing five foot nine. Now she's pretty big for one thirty five. I'm just Bro, gonna put that out. These women were tall. However, how did you say uh, Macy says her name? Shasan. Shasan. Yeah. Uh, Macy Shasan, thirty one years old from New Orleans, five eleven. I was like, dude. And she actually has a seventy two inch reach to Irene's sixty nine inch reach. And to be honest with you, uh, and you know. She was the reason that they they did the, the catch weight at 140 because she didn't think she could make 35, which is fine. But like, dude, she looked like a lightweight when she was in there. And I'm saying that respectfully. She was she was very big in comparison to Irene. 100 percent And Not it's only the, like it's only a two-inch height difference, but it's like it is noticeable too. It was a very noticeable height difference, reach, reach difference, difference, and to me, weight difference as well. Yeah. Yeah. I um, mean, well. When, well, my bad. I'll let no, you go ahead. To, I was going to say, you see it, especially in that second round. Mm-hmm. Um, but please go on. Uh, also, just as a funny thing as well, this is like, this is a, how you say, Chiasson? Chiasson. Chiasson. Act like this the third, isn't even there. Yeah, this is her uh, third semi-catchweight fight, basically. She fought Raquel Pennington back in 2021 where she was moving the featherweight and she missed weight and she came in at 148. Then her last fight against Norma Dumont, that was also a catch weight at 146, but Dumont was the one that missed weight. Do and we then, not have any uh, women weight classes beyond 145? No, it's 35, 45, 25. Dang. 
And 45 is still new. Like 45 yeah. is so new, they hardly even have a ranking. Right, right. Um, they just kind of like, you at 45, you want to fight for the belt? Sure. You know what I'm saying? So, right. Um, but also uh, another thing to point out for uh, Chason is she is she's an ultimate fighter winner. So that was her entry into uh, the UFC after having very pretty, honestly, like pretty limited MMA experience even prior to that. Um, just trying to, you know, give a little background on it. 100%. So, uh, getting into this fight, it's pretty evenly matched, I felt, in the first round. But I felt like Macy Chasson, is that, am I saying this right? Yep. I felt like she was kind of giving up a little bit too much ground. Her movement was very good. It was mm-hmm. very, very good. But I felt like she was moving almost too much to the point that she was just giving ground to Irene and Irene was starting to build confidence in the fact that this woman was just moving around and she was starting to let her hands go a little bit more. Uh, wasn't a, you know, nothing to write home about really. I felt in that first round as far as damage in either direction. Um, but like I said, the first thing I noticed was the movement and I think her coaches noticed the same thing. So uh, coming into that second round, Macy's corner had told her that she needed to kind of press a little bit more that Movement was good, but it was too much lateral movement. She's getting pushed back. Hey, you're not going to talk about the ending of the first round, dude? Well, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I probably should have. Sorry. <laughs> how, we, just, how we thought the fight was over, and then they're like, actually, no. Yeah, it was actually, I was I was thinking about how aggressive Chasan came out in that second round. Yeah, so at the end of the first round, um, there was a, a bit of a grappling exchange that ended up with Irene. Uh, was she kind of, would you say she was on top? Bro, yeah, she, she broke her arm twice. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, like, your arm was still on, so maybe. Hey, but, bro, <laughs> come on. <laughs> no, Irene was able to pull, She was it like a rolling arm bar she got basically? Like she, she did she it twice, Matt. <laughs> yeah, she did it she, twice. <laughs> does a rolling arm bar, gets a tap, but not necessarily a tap. Yeah, it's an asterisk for sure. Uh, but she believed that she got the tap, but she didn't. And then she and just like, cool. like she had one regular arm bar, then she had an arm bar that was tucked behind her, and then she got a rollover and all that. But Chasson was pretty much able to make it to the end. Um, and so she shoots out like a cannon in this second round and is like all in Irene's face. Yeah. Just combination, combination, combination. Pressure. But, you know, uh pressure and pressure and uh, uh what's the what's phone booth fighting? That's a two-way street. Yeah. And on that two-way street, you can get God as well. And Irene was touching Macy a little bit with some of those, you know, some of that contact as she was trying to, you know, as she was trying to close the distance on Irene with those longer arms, Irene was able to sneak some of those right hands in and was actually starting to find a home for her right hand, which Mm -hmm. is a money punch for her specifically. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's really been the punch that's hurt a lot of girls. It it actually led to uh, her last victory over... um, Yana Kutsukaya. So, mm-hmm. you know, once she was starting to get that right hand off, she was starting to push Macy back. Um, it was a little bit more of a grappling exchange, but nothing really crazy. However, however, mm-hmm. the third round happened. Third round, we got history made. Um, yeah. Uh, Macy looked like she was preparing to take this third and final round. 
um, potentially looking like she was going to get squeezed out a 2-1 victory over Irene. Because Irene, to me, really just had a really slow start in that first round, but the submission attempts kind of changed it. Yeah. And then all of the pressure in the second round from Macy, I felt like I gave it, I gave that second round to Macy. I was definitely 1-1 as well. Yeah. Yeah. And then going into the third, there was, how how did she get her down? Was it like a, a kick? Did she catch the kick? I forget. Uh, I want to say it was like a trip or or some or the other, but regardless, yeah, uh, Irene was on her back. Irene was on her back. Irene made history because she's the second person in the UFC to get a stoppage from an upkick, but the first person in the UFC to get an upkick stoppage to the body. She threw an upkick and hit Macy perfectly in the liver off her back. It was Mind like an, Macy was standing. And it she was like an slammed, axe kick. Yeah. yeah, she basically slammed that heel right into Macy's liver, and Macy went right to the ground. And it was interesting the way it happened because, you know, everybody pretty much was shocked. I yeah, mean, like Matt and I were texting back. We were like, wait, what just happened? Like, yeah, we because didn't even it was see it until the it was so frenzied. You yeah. know, usually when you see people doing up kicks, you know, they, the legs are just kicking the person's trying to fight it. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't even see it land. Yeah. She just was throwing those up kicks, and Macy just. Just grabbed her stomach and tucked over. Jason Herzog was like, that's it. That's a wrap. Yeah. Jason Herzog steps in. Irene, like, very calmly gets off of the ground and everything is kind of looking confused. The cage door opens. Security walks in and all that. No one really knew anything. And Jason Herzog waves it off. And um, we actually got to see on the slow motion replay, Uh Irene landed a heel kick right Right on on that liver. Made that liver quiver, and, and Macy went to the floor. She got to the ground. And, um, yeah, man, that was ultimately the conclusion of that fight. It was really entertaining. It also was one of the other oh, fights that won performance of the night. As it should have. Yeah. yeah. It was one of the more entertaining fights on the card. And this was an inter... I thought, personally, I was entertained by every fight that was on this card. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, uh, did you have any thoughts you want to add? No, you hit the nail on the head, man. Um. Oh, there was that one uh, part where uh, in round two where Shasan almost lost a scholarship. Uh, oh boy! When Alvano went for that for that leg lock and it turned into like I'm gonna just trap the knee and it just looked like this is one of those situations where I feel like if Shasan had like uh, was not as lanky as she was, she would have for sure lost that knee. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm pretty sure it might be bothering her today. But I'm just saying like that was just sketchy. Not that her performance, I mean, like, sketchy in the sense that she was really putting her knee at risk. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it was also crazy, too, because, like, she almost took Aldana's back from that crazy-ass position. Like, that's that's how, I need people to understand, like, how lanky Macy Shasan is. Like, with her leg compromised like that, she still had the ability. It was it was low-key, like, Johnny Walker versus Kutalaba. Like, that that type of lankiness differential. Um mm-hmm. But another thing I want to highlight, too, and then we can move on to the next one, unless you have some additional thoughts yourself, is, like, the difference in striking. I, I feel like I texted this to you as well as, like, wrote it down in my notes. But it's, like, you saw Shasan using a lot of looping punches, right? Looping punches, and sometimes they would hit, sometimes they wouldn't. But you know that it's going to cost way more in terms of energy to throw a looping punch that misses, and then on the opposite end of the spectrum, you see that that like Mexican style accuracy, right? Because like even during that exchange, it's like Shasan looping punches, 
What do you see with Aldana? Straight lines, like that perfect geometry, like bah, right to the right to the target, right? Even if it's like a hook punch, whatever have you, there was very little inefficiency in the striking thrown as opposed to Shasans. And not saying that the looping punches don't work. It was just like a crazy example of uh accuracy versus or I should say inefficiency versus inefficiency, if you will. Um, but I also agree this fight was super entertaining, quite the roller coaster leading up to the third round. And then even the finish in the third round was crazy. I feel like uh, Aldana herself was quite shocked to land that. But then in the Octagon interview, she was saying like they actually trained that quite a bit during the camp. So I was like, all right, bet. Um, mm-hmm. But other than that, man, I have no additional thoughts on this one, man. That was just, that was very interesting. I'm glad it got a performance of the night. Um, it deserved bonus. it. Yeah, 100%. It deserved um, it. Well, with that man, being said. We'll take us into our, our controversial third fight. Yeah, no, I, uh, I'm going to just make it clear right now. I, Li Jingliang got robbed to me. Uh, well, to you, to everybody in the arena, to Dana White, like, like I didn't, I didn't see the post fight conference, was. but I, was just I like, did. Dana White said he thought he was robbed. He said he was gonna take care of him, like you know, financially. Yeah, because I, it's like it made no sense. You look at the, you take a side by side pick of the two fighters. Like Li Xing Lang looked like he was fresh. D Rod's face look like was he all like busted up. Yeah, he was like, man, I could go another round or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but okay. Okay, let me not get ahead of myself. It's what it is. We still got to cover the fights. That's what we do. Now, mind you, podcast. We got our feelings, but we got to cover the facts, right? So <laughs> We got so, our feelings, but we got facts, too. Right. So, obviously, this is one of the catchweight bouts. So, pretty much, uh, yeah, after Walker versus Kusalaba, we're all catchweights until we get to the main event. But uh, on the one end, we have Li the Leech Jingliang, 34 years old, fighter out of China. And, of course, we cannot understate how much this man has done to bring the sport of MMA to prominence in China and like, you know, what he's done for Chinese fighters in the UFC, right? And he's still trying to get that UFC goal too. And what that could do for him and his country is just like crazy, right? Uh, Boxing stylist, at least that's what they say on the UFC website. And I mean, you see it too in his fighting style, right? Made his UFC and he was, um, was he, no, was it, were they saying he was a Sambo champion or was it Sanda? I might be misremembering, but uh, he made his UFC Afghan debut back in May of 2014. You talk about Li Jilian? Yeah. Sonda. Sonda, yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's what Kung Lee competed in, too, if I'm if I miss. Uh, he did. Okay, okay. Um, last three fights, uh, least recent to most recent, got that dub by knockout over Santiago Ponzinibbio, right? Back mm-hmm. in January 2021. Took that L by submission against the now infamous Hamzat <laughs> Shibayev. And, you know, at this point, mm-hmm. you can understand why he's infamous. Back in uh, October 2021, didn't let that stop him, though. Picked up a dub, which we covered on the podcast back in July against Salikov, the was the king of kung fu, by knockout. And it was, like, another example of how, uh, I want to say, cerebral uh, Li, Jing, uh, Li Jingliang is, because remember how we covered it, right? That first round against Salikov, download phase. Second round, okay, execution phase, and that he did. Now, mm-hmm. on the other end of the spectrum, we have Daniel D-Rod Rodriguez, right? Uh, 35 years old, USA, fighting, uh, or I should say more of a freestyle fighter. The dude just, like, knuck if you buck, personified, right? Like, that's just him. The dude just likes throwing hands, and he's, like, him, 
he's not from Stockton, but it's like he's like in that same vein as the Diaz bros. Uh, in the sense, just like scrapping, you know, made his UFC octagon debut. Is that correct? 2020. That doesn't feel right. Who? Uh, D-Rod. I feel like he's been there longer, right? No, he hasn't been there that long. He's, he, yeah, no, he's super new. Okay. All right. For some reason, I felt like he was a vet. Man, I might be misremembering. No, he's but. been doing MMA since 2015. He's been in Bellator and stuff. And he's like, was like on the Contender Series before. Like he's been around, but he didn't gotcha. get in the UFC for real until, until 2020. 2020. Okay. Yeah. I was like, am I tripping? Or? All right, no, you're not tripping. All right. You got but it right. He got that dub over uh, Mike Platinum, right? Back in mm-hmm. April 2021 by unanimous decision. Got a dub by knockout TKO against Parsons back in July of last year. And then got that dub over Kevin Lee. Right? It's like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, these are three fights that all kind of made a name for him, too. Oh, I mean, the, all three are like, like you know, those are names, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, by unanimous decision. Now, this went the distance. Um, I don't even feel like I have to go round by round. Basically, this was D-Rod and his right jab, because he's a southpaw. Right. Sometimes connecting with Li Jing Liang and then the leech basically showing what time it was like, even though he was at a weight disadvantage. Now, let's be real. The leech came in on weight for a welterweight bout. Uh, D-Rod was prepping to do like a middleweight bout. Right. So he came in at like 179 and a half. The leech was like, what was it closer to 170 or was it uh, close? Or did he bulk up to like 178 or something like that? But no, I think he stayed actually. I think he stayed close to 170 because. He looked even more shredded than when he fought Salikov, um, in my opinion, right? Yeah. And then D-Rod was just like, yeah, he, dude, he ain't missed no meals. Uh, let's just put it that <laughs> way, right? Uh, uh, but yeah, uh, so with that weight disadvantage, I think Jing Liang just showed that, you know, he dominated the fight. Personally, that's what I feel, because like, Head moon was on point, mixing it up, right? Dude, man, how fast. Many, how many times did he pull off a two three? Yeah, he pulled it off a ton of times. Like I mean, so he many dodged times, four punches in a row several times as yeah, well. Yeah, like he was like, like it was it was peak performance, high key. Like I'm not even exactly. Yeah, one. Of like, his, it was literally one of his best performances. And, but you know, for some reason, the judges gave it to D Rod by split decision. I feel like. Right when they announced the split decision, I texted him. I was like, ain't no way it's going to be a split. It's got to be unanimous. And then they did that. Uh, that's all I got to say. What, do you, what did you think, man? We, I, 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 he got robbed. He fucking got robbed. Yeah, I mean, I felt like he was robbed. It, to me, appeared like... To me, it appeared like he was about a second too late. Uh, more than half of the time. Right. You know what I'm saying? It just seemed like... When he would, whenever D-Rod would throw, it was always in reaction to Li Ji Liang. It yeah. was never, it never seemed like he was leading. And even when he would throw, it just, to me, it felt like, and I was telling you this last night, he didn't take enough risk. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, it's pretty hard to figure, right? But right. It genuinely felt like there was just more risk that needed to be taken because if he would like land a jab, he never followed it up. It was like he yep. was surprised that he got a jab off. Yeah. And you then, know what I'm saying? What about that octagon interview talking about I stayed disciplined or 
<laughs> so like, it was so weird because he was like, like yeah, and I made sure to push in that last round. I'm just like, right now? <laughs> talking about? like, I don't know. He, look, I put it to you like this. Everybody's the hero in their own story. I so. guess. But, but like, I don't know, man. Like, even you know when it's like you didn't actually do your, ah, whatever. I'll, I'll leave it alone. Uh, you got any other thoughts on this? No, man. Uh, I tell you, it, it was, it, you know, I'm a Lee G. Leang guy, but I also like That's Daniel Rodriguez. I like D. Rod. So, yeah. you know, I, I was, I was shitty to see him lose because I definitely was like, what? Because I thought he won, right? Like, you know, I, I'm not the person that gets to make that choice ultimately. So, right. you know, I guess it is what it is. But overall, it was I was entertained by it. People booed, but, you know, you also got to remember, like, one, fans. Yeah. But also, two, like, they basically got two finishes back to back. The main event of the, the prelim was a banger. And then, like... All of the prelim was finishes with the exception of the main event of the prelim. So they had already seen a lot of people get stopped. Right. Um, so, yeah, man, that that pretty much was that as far as that fight is concerned. But I didn't have anything to add. What about you? Uh, I know that uh, Jing Liang is probably still going to keep his camp in the U.S., so there's a high likelihood we'll probably see him scheduled for another fight before the year's up, I think. Um you know what I mean? Like, cause he's, he, mm-hmm. I feel like he's been in the U cause they were saying like, he's been away from his like daughter, his family and stuff. Cause he's just stayed here so he can make more fights happen. Um, he's been hella active this year. High key too. Um, uh, but now I got no other thoughts. Do you want to take us into the co-main? Yeah, man. Um, so our co-main event, Hamza Chamaya versus Kevin Holland, grand opening, grand closing. Oh um, my goodness, man. Prior to the fight, they touched gloves you know, just to, I guess, squash whatever animosity or issues they had with each other. Right. And um, right as they got to the center, you know, Kevin had his hand up. It could have been either A, to get this man five, or sometimes we've also seen he just kind of, that's kind of how he stands. Right. I've never in my life seen a man shoot a takedown that fast. That was... If you Crazy. blinked, you would have missed it. He was standing and he was on the ground. I don't think any hair grows on seconds. that part of his leg, bro. Man, maybe not because of how fast he got in there, man. I mean, Hamzat shot in on Kevin, got him down. I mean, and they just wrestled. No, they just, I mean, they didn't wrestle. Hamzat just wrestled. <laughs> like, Hamzat wrestled. Kevin was Kevin trying was to get like, out of the canvas. He was trying yeah. to, he was drowning in canvas, man. And he was trying to get out of there. And um, as he was, you know, he stood, he was able to stand up like twice. And Hamzat just pulled him back down. Hamzat's hands never unlocked. Um, you know, he only got one strike off ultimately, but he was able to uh, ultimately submit Kevin Holland with, uh, what was that, a Dars? Yes, sir. Like a, it was a Darce. It was a Darce. It was a Darce. Textbook Darce. Yeah, he was able to, and I mean, after a few attempts at that Darce too. But the, Kevin the was cold moving. part, the cold part, each time mm-hmm. Kevin was moving, he just adjusted it and cinched it tighter. Yeah, no, actually, why, why, why don't you go into your the jujitsu about how he took care of this once once he started doing his submission attempt because he didn't attempt anything other than a choke and no. he just uh, kept like. 
Went for one choke that turned into the Dars, and then he just kept adjusting. But you go ahead. No, he just kept adjusting the Dars, and how would he adjust? Like, for one, he would use, like, I, I, uh, if you paid attention to, like, what he was doing with his legs. So he was mm-hmm. using his legs to basically hook Kevin into place and just make that choke even tighter every single time. So he would use that, like, uh, top leg of his to, again, bring Kevin in closer. Because basically how the darts works is, like, very similar to a bunch of other, like, arm in, triangle, family chokes, where it's, like, uh, the arm, like, Hamzat's arm is choking one side of Kevin's carotid, and then he's got Kevin's shoulder, basically the whole shoulder complex, choking the other side, right? Mm-hmm. So each time he was readjusting, he was just making that shit tighter and tighter till ultimately he got that type. And, like, I feel like if Hamzat... Uh, didn't get the tap from that final position. He probably could have just finished that Darson mount, which would have been even worse for Kevin. Um, but yeah, it's like just the <clears throat> the key thing to look for too, depending on like what the camera is showing you. It's like pay attention to that other arm that's kind of going on uh, Kevin's back. Like if mm-hmm. you notice, like as he's adjusting, that arm is getting higher and higher. Like he's able to grab more of Kevin's back. Like that's a sign that the choke is getting tighter and tighter. Uh, it was just, it was just nasty, man. But it was also like a beautiful display of like, I'm gonna hunt this submission down. I'm not gonna burn myself out. Like, best way to think about it, any type of constrictor snake in nature, mm-hmm. right? They are not relinquishing pressure, but they're not burning themselves out. This is exactly how my coach Leo, shout out, um, describes it too. It's like. They're just, okay, I'm going to let you squirm. I'm going to let you burn yourself out a little bit. Go ahead, Kevin. Try to escape this. All right. Oh, is that a little bit of a break in your thing? Tighter. Okay, cool. Tighter. And then tap. Uh, hmm. Yeah. That, that was, like you said, grand opening, grand closing. It was a wrap. And it's just like, you always feel a little bit bad, or at least I feel a little bit bad, but then I remind myself, and I, I learned this from you, Matt. It's like, he agreed to it. You know, like it yeah. wasn't like, you know, the, like nobody forced you to take this fight. And that's always the risk when you're taking a fight last minute, especially because we had uh, texted back uh, back and forth about this, like in uh, Holland's case and in uh, Ferguson's case, they were prepping for three round fights. Right. Um, so it was in- it was going to be interesting to see like what the approach was here. But apparently Hamza was like, I'm just not going to give you a second to do anything. Um and then me personally, it's like I initially thought that Kevin was putting his hand out for like a dap, but then looking at it again, I was like, oh no, he was, it looked more like he was raising his hand up defensively. Uh, yeah, because sometimes he does that. Yeah, yeah, but eh, grand opening, grand closing. Yeah, man, they, this was all first round. It was, it was, you know, what I mean, uh, it was just a typical what we've come to know as like the norm, I guess you could say for. Hamzat, because again, he absorbed zero strikes, you know, again to shit, damn near at this point in his career, the only person that's ever hit him was Gilbert Burns. Right. You know, so and that, you know, in a lot in a lot of ways was a bit of a higher fight uh, as far as rankings are concerned. And as far as like just kind of on paper, Gilbert Burns is sort of considered a, a bit more dangerous. Right. So, right. We'll see what what ultimately happens uh, with both guys. You know, I know that Hamzat was talking about trying to get like a title shot and stuff, but and also yeah. like going after the middleweight belt too. Yeah, um, missing weight period definitely hurts your chances at uh 
Title shot, yeah. Yeah, title shot implications. So, um, but I did see Kevin Holland was trying to either still run that fade back with Daniel Rodriguez or try to get Wonder Boy. I would be open to both fights personally. So, mm. you know, we'll see what happens. Yep. Uh, you want to take us into our main event? Um, I guess. <laughs> no, <yeah. laughs> I'm like, damn. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Tony Ferguson. Versus Nate Diaz, both somewhat like icons, respectively, in the UFC, right? Uh, this was, again, the only other bout that was in the appropriate weight class where, you know, both fighters were somewhat professionals about, you know, making weight. Uh, we have Tony Elkui Ferguson, 38 years old, USA, freestyle fighter. Uh, made his UFC Octagon debut in 2011, right? Back in June 5th. Uh, coming off a three-fight skid, let's be real. But, you know, the skids were against Charles Oliveira, Benil Dariush, Michael Chandler, right? Like, these, are, these aren't slouches, you know Hell. what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah, basically, right? And now he's up against, like, Nate Diaz, right, uh, at welterweight. And also interesting oh, Hold on, bro. I got to stop. Go, go, go ahead, go ahead. Let me stop. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm just gonna read off his last his his list of opponents dating back to 2015. <laughs> Josh Thompson, yeah. Edson Barbosa, Lando Venata, Rafael dos Anjos, Kevin Lee, Anthony Pettis, Donald Cerrone, Justin Cagey, Charles Oliveira, Benil <laughs> Darius, Michael Chandler, and Nate Diaz. Yeah, dude, this resume is unreal. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, this dude has fought everyone. Literally everyone. Man. Everyone. Uh, and then interesting thing to note too, going into this bout. Uh, this was him fighting after switching over to Jackson Wink. Uh mm -hmm. and and uh, you can see like uh was it six gun Gibson, Brandon Six Gun Gibson in his corner. So it's like he's not acting like they're his coaches, he's saying they're his teammates, because you know, one of Tony Ferguson's things is he really just trains by himself, which is like, damn. He dude. doesn't believe in coaches. You, he's like, you did that this whole time. Just, all right, <laughs> more power to you. Uh, let's not forget, he was interim champ, right? Mm -hmm. uh, lightweight division. So it's like, all right, man, okay. Uh, and then on the other side, we have Nate Diaz, 36 years old, fighting out of the USA, striking style. Although it's interesting that they call him a striker when it's like, the man is jujitsu all day, right? He got mm -hmm. that boxing style, you know. Now he's got Ernie Reyes. You know, I'm kidding. Ernie Reyes. <laughs> he's been, he's been striking since before he like met up with Ernie Reyes Jr. But I'm kind of curious to see how they initially linked up. But anyway, um, Diaz of course made his UFC Octagon debut in 2007. Right. Uh, last three won one out of the last three. Right. Won over Pettis by decision back in August of 2019. Loss in the BMF bout, right? Uh, by knockout to Masvidal, right? That was in uh, November 2019. Uh, mm -hmm. Took that L against Leon Edwards back in January of last year by unanimous decision. But, you know, that was a pretty competitive bout because uh, he damn near finished Edwards. Let's not forget. Uh, and Edwards has also expressed interest in potentially having a title fight with Nate Diaz, but, you know, Diaz is kind of temporarily, he said, done with the UFC for now. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm not going to do a round-by-round breakdown. It's like, 
how to describe this without being disrespectful. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll describe it without being disrespectful. It, it was two guys with awkward styles fighting. Yeah. And the, it was almost all awkwardness <laughs> for a lot of it. I mean, and, you had your like Diaz theatrics, right? Which they're, mm-hmm. which they're known for. But there were some parts where I was like, wait, is he actually winded right now? I don't know. Um, Cause the, remember, like, what was it? End of round three? Where I think even Joe Rowan was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> like, where like Diaz had both arms on the cage and he just like threw a lazy sidekick at the buzzer. I was just like, what's going yeah, on? Yeah, it's like, bro, what is going on? What is going on? But no, nah, I think you hit the nail on the head. It was just like two awkward styles fighting each other, both very unorthodox. But they both had moments like uh, El Kukui with the spinning techniques, but then his corner was quickly telling him to stop giving his back up to Diaz. Uh, and then Diaz like had his boxing moments too, where it was just like, all right, pat, 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 uppercut, 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 let me hit you with a one, two, two, three, so on and so forth. Uh, so it's like they had exchanges, but okay, first thing we got to highlight, and this is literally Matt's uh, Zoom name right now. This is the first fight I've ever seen where Nate Diaz did not bleed. It was mm-hmm. crazy. The like, if Matt and I put money on it, I would have lost. Like, Cause, cause he was like, "Oh, who do you think is gonna bleed first? Yeah, I, was like, I asked. I was, I was like, like gonna bleed first?" And tonight. I was like, "Before he even steps into the octagon, yes, right." And then immediately, El Kukui Shin starts gushing blood off of a check oh, kick. God, it was just, it was a very gross. Uh, let's let's just put it that way. Like you saw, like uh, Diaz's literally leg. half of his leg was red. Yeah. from just blood pouring out of his. It shin. was just like, dude, like what is going on? Uh, and then soon enough, like Diaz's punches ended up putting a cut, I want to say, on the eyebrow and on the eyelid of mm-hmm. Tony Ferguson, man. So it was just, at the end of it, it looked like they fought different fights. Like they weren't, they didn't fight each other, like they fought other people. Uh, but what led to the victory? Because, spoiler alert, right? Diaz is the one who won. He got a guillotine. And it was like Ferguson shot for a takedown. Diaz basically kind of backed up a little bit, got his closed guard. I was like, thank you. Let me just scoop up this high elbow guillotine real quick. And that's a wrap. Now, the camera angle during the fight, especially around the actual cinching of the guillotine, I thought Ferguson passed out. Like, because yeah, the way, the way it was the set angle. up. I thought he had passed out. That's why, like, the the ref stepped in, like, as hard as he did. I think it was Mark Goddard again who was refing this one. But then they showed the other side. It's like, okay, Ferguson actually tapped on that one. Um, but, yeah, no, like, Diaz finished in Diaz fashion. Uh, jiu-jitsu, Caesar Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. What? Also, let's throw another point out there. Finished him with 209 on the clock. Yeah. You can't write You can't better write story. that shit, yeah. He no. got the tap at 209. Stockton. <laughs> Stockton all day, man. Just full-on Stockton energy, man. <laughs> what were your thoughts, bro? You know, I was very interested in this fight in the first place, but I felt like this fight specifically was... Um, I felt like Diaz of... I won't necessarily say everybody, uh, and I'm not saying this to be disrespectful, but I felt like he got a better fight getting Tony. Yeah, not, And that's not to you. say that he was like... You know what I'm saying? I just felt I felt like Hamzat was going to be a lot for him. And even if he wasn't, you know what I'm saying? I could have been wrong. We know that the the goal probably would have been more grappling. And yeah. I was even telling TJ before 
um, this fight itself started, I was like, I'm more curious about what the jujitsu was going to look like between the two of them. I was curious about the grappler. Um, And for a second, it was looking like we weren't going to get any grappling. Um, Yeah. A little bit I saw from the press conference when they were talking to Nate, they asked him about, you know, if he had been training for Hamzat. And he was just like, whatever. Yeah, he was like, all he had done, basically, he said he didn't do any striking. He was just like, just practicing his grappling and his jujitsu. His wrestling, yeah. The plan was as soon as that head got to either side just to cinch up a choke. And he was like, you know, if you notice the handful of times that they had collided, there was one a few times, you know, one or two times where there was a collision. Yeah, and Tony's head kind of ducked. Nate went. He Nate actually apparently tried to wrap his head. Yeah, but not knowing that he wasn't going for a takedown, you know, which is because Tony was really even more than he usually does. He was dipping a lot mm-hmm. um, in this fight. Like he would throw and then dip his head, and you know, as you said, it was like definitely in a lot of ways that was like upsetting to. Yeah, uh, they were coaches. they were yelling at him. But yeah, man, as soon as he shot shot that head in there, he was just like, "Thank you." That was the plan. If they shot for a takedown, just choke them right away. Like, because, you know, if their head is on either side and, you know, that's ultimately what he went for. And, you mm-hmm. know, it, even the, the speed that he got it, but it was like as soon as, as soon as Tony's head got in there, you know what I'm saying? It was like the choke was just cinched I'm, up and that was it. I mean, like when they cut to the other angle and we could see Diaz tap, like you have to understand, like, you couldn't see Ferguson's head. Like, yeah. his head was gone. Like, that arm was cinched around homie's neck. Yeah, his head was gone, and all you, all you could see was Diaz pushing his other hand up. Yep. You know, to to further cinch that choke in. Um, it was a, a super unexpected ending just based off how the fight was going. Yeah. And it was because, you know, Tony Ferguson's team told him to shoot for a takedown. He was actually finding a lot of success despite... His shin just gushing blood. Oh, he was finding a lot of success with leg kicks on Nate. Yeah. Um, so much so that Nate's leg was bleeding as well. Um, yeah. He mentioned that at the press conference. Nate Nate's leg bled to the point that it was getting in his shoe after the fight. And he took his Ew. shoe off at the post fight and was just like, my whole shoe was wet now. Like, damn. Ew, dude. Also, yeah, man. the way he yes. roasted those shoes, that's neither here nor there. Shout out. Well, to he had on some <laughs> Travis Scott's this time. So oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, he was he was pretty upset, but he was just saying, you know, that was pretty much the case. Uh, yeah, I thought those leg kicks were working for him, too. I was kind of baffled by the takedown thing, but I also could see how it's like, yeah, maybe I'm not doing the best in the stand up. He definitely wasn't doing bad, but, you know, I get it. It just. You know, shit, at the end of the day, it's not going to always be perfect. You know, when you're going for certain submissions or you're going for certain moves and stuff, there's always a level of risk, right? Yeah. So, you know, that ultimately was what we saw. We just saw, like, you know, not all risk comes with a reward. Sometimes you pay the price. And um, yeah, this was his one time that he paid the price. He got the takedown, but for him getting the takedown, he also was choked. Yeah, 100%. But overall, man, I thought, did you have anything else you want to add? Uh, Card was actually very exciting. It was a very fun watch. I really enjoyed it. Considering the circumstances, even not considering the circumstances, let's say this was a gold card uh, from the get-go. Very fun. Mm -hmm. Very fun. Yeah, uh, I thought it was a fun card. I was entertained by every fight. I know that they threw some booze out there. 
Oh. Um, for the the Rodriguez and G Liang fight, but that fight was entertaining as hell to me too. It was just yeah. like just super high level guys being competitive and having to be careful. Um, so you know, I'm interested really to see where everybody goes, the winners and the losers. Um, you know, I know Ian Kutalaba, he was trying to beat Johnny Walker so he could get in the top 15 again. Mm-hmm. Um, because Johnny Walker's sitting at 13. Um, I know Irene is trying to work her way up to a title shot. Lee Ji Liang is trying to finally, you know, kind of get his momentum going again at 170. Not to say it was gone, but you know what I'm saying? She's kind of right. she's trying to keep the ball rolling after picking up that victory, which was like, shit, shit feel like yeah. it was two weeks ago. But yeah, um, you know, I'm curious to see what's going to happen next with Hamzad and with Kevin Holland. Those are two other exciting guys. And, you know, whatever's going to come Nate, come next with Nate and with Tony, if I had to predict anything, I think Tony's gone. Mm. Um, and I only say that because that's uh, Tony's fifth loss in a row. Right. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Stranger things have happened. Right. We've had, you know, crazier situations take place. So I really am just looking forward to seeing what's going to be the case for everybody else. As far as everything else is concerned, uh, our next UFC event that we're covering is UFC Fight Night, Fight Night Sanhagen versus Song, Song yeah, Yadong. Uh, I'm not going to hold you. I did not look at this card until just now. This card basically is like, oh, bangers. Bangers. <laughs> My bad. Didn't know. Um, I say that because Giga Chikazi is on this card against uh, Sadiq Yusuf. That's going to be crazy. We got Chidi Undrakwani. Oh, is he uh, Gregory Rodriguez? Yep. It's Gregory Rodriguez. That's going to be crazy. Andre Feely is on this card. Um, and we also got Sajara Eubanks and Tanner Bozer. So these are all people that are known for letting those hands go. It's like looking at each one, nobody is going to have to look for their opponent. They'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You ain't yeah. going to have to find them. Um, shit. We even got Sarah McMahon on the prelim against Aspen Ladd. You know what I'm saying? We got some good fights. So. This should be a pretty fun fight night next week. Also, uh, as far as the boxing is concerned, we have the third entry in the saga of Triple G versus Canelo. That will also be taking place on September the 17th. Uh, That'll be later in the evening, so obviously we'll be able to catch both cards. Um, But yeah, man, that's pretty much all I got on the combat. Do you got anything else you want to add, or should I take us out of here? Take us out of here, playboy. Well, with that being said, thank you guys for checking us out. This has been another episode of the Now Mind You podcast. Um, you can follow me at M-A-T-T-H-A-M-B-R-I-C. That's Matt Hambrick on all social media. TJ, where can they find you? Hey, listen, they can find me at D-E-E-Z-N-U-T-S. Damn. <laughs> Kidding. Uh for Skate on the gram. That's T-U-S-S number four underscore S-K-A-T-E, y'all. Mm-hmm. And you can follow us at... Now Mind You Podcast, wherever you like to get your social media. Now Mind You Pod or Podcast. And you can find us wherever you like to get your podcast. Oh, surprising, right? Uh-huh. Uh, you guys can find <laughs> us on your preferred podcast and platform, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud. You know, wherever you like to listen to your podcast, our podcast is there. And if it's not there and you want it there, DM us and let us know. And we'll get it on over there. Uh, Thank you guys for checking out another combat episode. We really appreciate the listens. Thank you all. Y'all be safe out here. All right, y'all. Peace.